Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics. I'm Eamon Clark, and I'm very honoured this time to have one of Tharg's most celebrated art droids as my guest, the co-creator of so many titles, Song of the Surfer, uh, Judge Dread America, Mechanismo, Insurrection, many, many more. It's a very warm book club. Welcome to Colin McNeil. Colin, welcome to the book club. Thank you very much. It's a great pleasure to be here eventually. Yes. <laughs> At last. It's been, uh, I thought it was about four or five years you asked me initially. <laughs> I think so, yes. <laughs> Possibly at the 40th, maybe, it might have been. Uh, yes, I think it was actually, yes, yes. <laughs> but we do get here in the end. We do, yes. And thanks to Rob Foster for help, helping uh, putting us in touch and set this up. Good, good. So, Colin, we start uh, on the book club by asking people about their first experiences reading comics, how they got into comics, and particularly how they got into uh, 2000 AD. Take us back to your first experiences with comics. Uh, My first comic that I remember reading was a comic called Twinkle. Oh, right. In the... In, in the late 60s, because <laughs> I am of that age, <laughs> and it was a kind of a comic for very small children, and it was stories about kind of little girls and boys and hedgehogs and talking this and that, and it was just kind of very innocent and kind of things designed for kind of pre-primary school children. Right. And then, of course, I uh, went on to things like um, The Topper, it, back when it was... Uh, it was, it was, I think I liked about the topper was, unlike other comics, which were like just like comics today, it was more like a newspaper. And it was quite big pages, and you opened it out like a newspaper, just like your, your father would do when he was reading the newspaper. So it was, I always had very fond, fond memories of the topper. Uh, and then, of course, things like Sparky and the Dandy and stuff like that. The kind of usual things that kids of my age would read in the, uh, the very early 70s. Then, of course, there was always the war comics. Yes. Of one from another, kind of from, from Victor to Warlord to, oh, I can't mind what all the other, all the other ones were, kind of other well, time. Battle but, comes you know, along at some point, doesn't it? But, well, that was a wee bit later. That was 76, was it? Right, that sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, because it was about that time, because I was, obviously, you've read the, the war comics and the kind of earlier to mid-70s, and then, obviously, in 76, action came out. And that was the thing which really caught my attention for the first time. Uh, so you had things like, um, what's his name, Dredger, and Helmet of Hammercore, and Blackjack, and Look Out for Lefty, and Hookjaw, of course, kind of. Um, and then within, what, 12 months, 2008 came out. And I, I, I dropped action immediately and just kept with 2000 AD and I've been that way ever since. And did you pick up 2000 AD from the first prog? Yes, yes, yes. And I remember, uh, I remember picking up the first issue from uh, our local newsagent and I, I do remember actually sitting on the, on the sofa in the back living room reading that first issue. Wow. Because uh, I remember seeing... I think there was an advert for it on television. I think the week before. Oh yes, yeah, the well-known ad. Yeah, and I, and I was I was lucky enough just to see that, and I went, oh, "What's that?" <laughs> um, well, of course, I'd heard of Dandier, but uh, had never seen any Dandier, so that was kind of an interesting thing for me. 
and obviously kind of Dan Dare was kind of one of the, the big highlights of, of the comic in those kind of in that first what that'd be six months two year kind of thing. Yes. But it was Judge Dredd really that kind of by issue three kind of I was hooked on Dredd kind of thing. Uh, in fact, just recently on my Facebook page, um, Colin Neil Art, I, uh, I posted up a, a picture of my very first drawing inspired by 2000 AD. And this was uh, my version of the back cover for Prog 3, which was a Carlos Esquerra drawing, uh, kind of looking down on the city kind of thing. And it survived the decades. <laughs> yes, and I saw you post it recently. Your, you know, your Mega yes, City yeah, One. Yes, two days ago. Yeah, yeah, it, it's amazing that kind of that survived the ages, kind of thing. I think, it, I think it was. I don't know. It must have got slipped in between a book or got mixed up in my father's one of my father's folders because uh, my father was a um, technical teacher, so uh, he did a lot of technical drawing and stuff like that at home. So. Um, Big sheet of because I think it was an A3 sheet of paper I had, one of his actually. Uh, so it probably ended up in one of his folders, and that's one of the reasons why it survived. Okay, if it had been left with me, I probably would have kind of eventually destroyed it, like most <laughs> being a child at that, at that time. Was it, was it the comics that inspired you to take up art? Um, actually. Weirdly, I've always drawn. Right. I mean, in some ways, I I was literally drawing before I was speaking, because I was three years old before I said a single word. Apparently. Oh right. No, no mama, no dada, nothing at all. And then one day I started speaking. Um, but I was quite happy just to sit by myself with some paper and some crayons and just. Create my own my own world with these with these with these things. Uh, so I think art has always been quite um, what's the word central to who I am uh, as part of my um, expression of myself. Let us say um, it's uh, so. Sorry, spoken language is my second language. Drawing is my first language. Right. <laughs> That's probably a good way to understand it. I think. <laughs> But it was uh, it wasn't really until, gosh, um, nine. Well, when I was in secondary in secondary year in school, uh, second year in secondary school, I uh, we all had to choose subjects for our what would have been the equivalent of O levels and stuff like that. And up to that point, you'd done a little bit of everything: get a bit of geography, a bit of history, a bit of woodwork, a bit of this, a bit of that, a bit of art, whatever else. Uh, and I, I I dropped art at that point, completely. Oh, uh, right. Because I was going to do architecture. So I did maths and physics and chemistry and all that stuff. And um, because that, well, well, that was a real job, wasn't it? Being an architect, being an artist was... Well, it wasn't a real job. <laughs> real jobs were... Plumbers and builders and soldiers and teachers and whatever else. It was. Uh, to figure this was. This would be 1980. This would be. So. Uh, yeah. So I did the. Um, what was expected of me for a. For a couple of years and then by the time I was. Um, 
in fifth year. I still kind of half wanted to do architecture, but I hated the maths. Uh, I wasn't overly good at either chemistry or physics. Um, so I decided to take up art again in fifth year, uh, just to try and kind of give myself something to look forward to kind of thing. And the head of department uh, wasn't very happy that I dropped art right. in second year. So I had to go in and do a test for him at one lunchtime to see whether I'd be allowed to do art again. Oh. So, <laughs> so I uh, went in and did this drawing of a of an old uh, uh, blowtorch, an old oil-fired blowtorch, and handed it in kind of thing. And then uh, I was told, because I, I wanted to do um, O-grade art, kind of O-level art, and I was told, no, I'm not allowed to do that. Uh, I'm going to go straight into hires instead. Oh, oh so <laughs> must have been a good blowtorch. <laughs> well, yes, he, he was very, very impressed. Apparently, kind of, uh, my father was a teacher at the same school, and apparently, kind of, he went down into the teacher's common room and kind of was waxing lyrical about my drawing. So uh, he said, "No, no, he's, he's Colin's going straight into do the hires. He's not going to mess about with O grades." Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I have a I have a, a higher in art, but I have no upgrade in art. Oh. Um, <laughs> and would this be uh, about the time that you got a piece of reader art published in two thousand AD? This this would be after that, uh, before that, right? Uh, 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 so this this would be nineteen eighty two. This would be when I, when I when I did higher art, right? Uh, and that reader art was in 1979, yeah. Prog 121. So that that was in that period where I was interested in art and drawing, stuff like that, but not as a career, well, right. not as a job, because that's not, as I said, it was, what was it? That was 40 years ago. I mean, it's <laughs> <laughs> what's considered a job changes over, 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 over the eons, I'm sure. So uh, yeah, so I so I did art, and then in sixth year, I, by sixth year, I decided I wasn't going to do architecture anymore, even though I still kept up the the, the some of the I, I kept up the maths anyway because I, I I failed my higher maths because I I just yeah I didn't like it, right. <laughs> but but I went back and gave it a second go and eventually got it kind of thing in my final year, but my final year was spent just uh, preparing my portfolio for art school entrance so out of the uh, our, in our school we had um, uh, Monday to Friday was split into 40 equal periods so out of that 40 periods in a week I had 21 periods of art I managed to wangle for that final year so right <laughs> so I thoroughly enjoyed my final year in school I because I, I spent most of it most of my time in the in the art in the art room both during the weekend at the weekend as well, because I was so trusted that uh, I actually had keys for the school to get in myself at the weekend if I wanted. So. Oh right, very honoured. Yes, <laughs> they, they really, they really believed in in, in, in in what I could do and could have really wanted to get me to art school and see what see what could happen from that. And am I right in thinking you went to a couple of art schools? Yes, yes. I went to uh, Gray School of Art in Aberdeen initially when I left school. Did my foundation year there. 
came top of the year in graphic design. Oh. In, in the first year, as far as I know, kind of thing. Uh, then second year specialised in graphic design and jewellery as my second subject because I've always been quite, quite quite handy with my hands as they say and by the end of that first term the head of department who was our tutor and I had we hadn't come to blows but it was a bit of a kind of fractious kind of relationship and like, for example, he would give us a project to do, which he reckoned would take five days to do or four days to do. I would have the entire thing done by the end of the first day. And he didn't like that because I kind of kept on pointing out, kind of, why spend two days doing something you can do in two hours if you just sit down and think about it first? Uh, so I don't think he liked the, um, my, um, what's the word? <laughs> my uppityness, perhaps? Oh, right, okay. I, I, I have no idea. Uh, but suffice to say, I got kicked off the course. Right. In, in the January, so uh, uh, I, I, it was either I could stay there and do jewellery as a career or leave. So I, I, I left and went back home and became a labourer for a while. Reapplied to um, another art school, uh, Duncan of Georgeston College of Art in Dundee. Uh, and I went there, uh, did my three years there, and came away with uh, a degree in illustration and printmaking. Oh, right. Uh, which was quite remarkable since I did pretty much zero coursework in my final year. Because, yet again, my tutors and I did not see eye to eye on things. <laughs> <laughs> right. Especially art-related things. So I think my, my head of department did more work in my final year projects than I ever did. But that was about the time when I started working for 2000 AD, because uh, it was just the start of 87, I think it was, when the right. first, my first strip came out, 508, 509? That's it, it was 508, 509. You did a future shot with Grant Morrison, didn't you? Yes, 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 yes. That was my very first kind of thing for the for the mighty one. Uh, so I had comics coming out and being published while I was still at school, while I was still at art school in Dundee, and we'd get kind of other students in the in, in the college would kind of come in occasionally and get me to sign their comic, uh, and that kind of annoyed my head of department, <laughs> uh, but not so much as the fact that there was there, there was uh, also a couple of lecturers as well who who collected two years of ID and they got me to sign their copies too. So uh, it was, uh, again, a, a, quite a fractious period. <laughs> yes, I can imagine 2000 ED providing the, uh, the irritant again. Um, had you just submitted... Yes, exactly. Yes. Had you just submitted art to Tharg or had there been some other way yes, of getting well, the gig? Well, the, it was actually due to my uh, art teacher in school, uh, Mr. Stevenson, the, the, the man who gave me the keys, the keys to the school. Oh, right. Yeah, uh, he, uh, he'd been speaking to a friend of his from when he was in art school in the 60s, kind of very early 60s. And his pal had been speaking to uh, a friend of his, uh, about comics and about me, and um, this pal said, 
because he was a published artist, and he said, "Good, well, if the lad wants to send some examples of his work to me, I'll, I'll give him a wee critique and you know, see if I can give him any, any help at all. And this pal was Cam Kennedy. Oh, bummy. So I, so I sent some stuff to this to to, to Cam Kennedy, and uh, he said, oh, that's quite good. You know, watch your anatomy here, watch your textures there, da-da-da-da-da. But otherwise, quite good. You should send this to 2000 AD. In fact, I'll phone them, phone them up to make sure that they have a look at it when it arrives. So this was in the um, early 86. And by the, was it the, just, well, yeah, maybe about October, November uh, 86, I got my first commission from them doing that, that Ulysses Suite two-parter feature shock. Uh, and it was, and it was, I was quite, I, I've heard a lot of stories about artists who send samples after samples after samples to, to 2000 AD or whichever other publisher. It takes them years to get in. It kind of feels sometimes that I just kind of stumbled and fell inside inside to this idea kind of thing. It's uh, I think I don't know whether I was just the right person at the right place or or, or what. Right, <laughs> <laughs> you got straight in. <laughs> if, if I hadn't if I hadn't had a bust up with my head of department in in, in Aberdeen, and then I wouldn't have been kind of. Uh, kicked out of school then I wouldn't have had a, to get a job as a labourer then I wouldn't have had to kind of go and meet my art school teacher again and stuff like that and uh, a lot of series of coincidences <laughs> and you, so with 2000 AD obviously you worked on Strontium Dog The Final Solution and then you go on to do I think was it Song of the Surfer that came next well, it was actually Song of the Surfer came before. Before, right. Final Solution. Because Song of the Surfer was my first painted strip. I can't remember. I, it could have been. I think it probably could have been. Yes, it will be because I, um, uh, I was still at college. Right. When I, was just, when I was just beginning to prepare to do it. In fact, the very first page of Chopper was in my... Uh, my degree show. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, so, I, so I was meant to be doing that strip in black and white. I found the page now. Here it says McNeil yeah. 89. Yeah. Right, yeah. Because uh, it was 89 when I, when I uh, uh, um, graduated from, uh, from Dundee. Right. Uh, so I um, was going to do it in black and white and then... Just about halfway through, I got a phone call from the editor saying, do you think you might be able to do this in colour instead? We've kind of had some problems with the colour strip that was meant to be going in in the next wee while. Um, you won't have time to um, go back and read colour pages, but do you fancy kind of doing the rest of the episodes in, in, in colour? And I went, okie dokie, I'll, <laughs> I'll give it a go. Uh, so I was still kind of kind of learning how to paint and for what I was doing it. I mean, I suppose in many ways I'm I'm still learning how to paint and draw. It's it's uh, it's uh, it never it never stops that one. And what sort of what materials were you using to produce the painted artwork, the coloured artwork then? What medium were you working with? Oh uh, I was um I would start off with pencil and then felt it 
pen, then washes of ink, then washes of acrylic, then washes of a gouache, and coloured pencils, and bits of photocopies, just just whatever. Uh, and then, of course, the, the infamous uh, uh, spatter, uh, which was a mixture of uh, dipping a toothbrush in some ink and then rubbing the back of it and using um, a little tool called uh, a diffuser, which was a very primitive form of uh, uh, an airbrush. And it's just two small tubes held at a right angle. You stick one end of the tubes into a little pot of ink or paint or whatever you want, and then you blow through the other tube, and that creates a, a suction. It pulls the ink up, then splatters it out. Right. Uh, so it's a very kind of it's a it's one of the handiest tools I've ever I've ever bought in my life, <laughs> <laughs> and one of the cheapest to use. <laughs> um, uh, so I used that a lot as well. I mean, it was as I said, it was very much a time of experimentation. So um, I could I could use almost anything and everything on a page. I've got a couple of the um, I've got the book open in front of me and I've got a couple of those spatter pages uh, on here and they're, they're quite remarkable and um, <laughs> to think of you with the toothbrush and just blowing through these little tubes Yes, exactly, I mean, yeah. it's, I mean this, this was I was thinking about it just the other week actually it's just how, how much publishing has changed since, since even I started because I suppose I was just just at the tail end of of the old publishing houses kind of thing, because uh, uh, when I first started, they still had an art editor there, uh, whose one of his job was kind of helping kind of new artists sort of in their first um, strips for 2018. Because the um, the very first Strontium Dog story I did, which was the uh, a sorry, a sorry case for Johnny and Wolf, or was it Johnny by himself? Had oh, it was it was just uh, Alpha by himself. I think it was had to take this this really really un, unlikely character called Sorry Bob from one place to somewhere else, kind of thing. And I remember receiving sketches for the first couple of pages by Doug Church. I think it was. I think he was the last of the kind of the old art editors. So he gave me a kind of basic direction to how to how to see scripts and how to read scripts and how to implement that on a page. Whereas nowadays, kind of everyone's so stretched so thin, really nowadays that uh, I don't suppose a lot of publishers have the have the, have the time or the freedom to really encourage kind of uh, new artists and all that with in-house advice. Um, the standard you have to be at to get into comics nowadays is so much higher than it used to be. But then there is so much more competition now than there ever was before because, as I think as I said earlier, I mean, I, I never thought I would ever end up drawing comics for a living. It was, that was a thing which happened to other people in exotic faraway lands like London and New York, <laughs> kind of places like that, kind of um, not kind of from kind of not, not some guy from the middle of the highlands, kind of. 
Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, God, God. What was the question again? <laughs> no, it's just I'm just interested yeah, about. I'll just start rambling there. I have a habit for rambling. That's okay. Well, look, I've got to obviously ask you about Judge Dread America, which comes along in 1990, I guess, um, with the start yes, of the magazine. Yeah. And I've heard you talk about it on the Thrillcast with Michael Mulcher that, you know, at the time you and John perhaps didn't realise how iconic that story was going to become. No, no. Uh, it was, it was, in a sense, just another dread story, but it was a dread story without the usual limitations, because obviously that was why the magazine, magazine was started, so you could do stories about Judge Dredd's world, but it was meant to be for adults, uh, whereas 2000 was still nominally for children. So you could tell a bit more complex stories, perhaps show a bit more violence and gore, even though violence and gore had been a mainstay of 2008 for um, certainly kind of half a decade before that anyway. But yeah, this, this was meant to be a place where you could do different sorts of stories, more involved stories, kind of. And America was was John's idea f- to launch this, and he uh, he asked me specifically. Yeah, he quite liked the way I had, um, let us say, adapted his scripts. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily always follow what the writer writes, but. <laughs> If I think I've got a better idea, I'll do my idea. Because I remember I used to phone John quite a lot over that first episode, episode and a half, uh, and say, see this panel here, John, and Page, whatever it was, it says in the script this, but can I do it, can I do it that way instead? And he'd always go, yeah, that's fine, go ahead, until one day I phone up yet again with another idea to change something he'd written. Uh, and he said, Colin, I'm the writer. I've written it ready. My job's done, as it were. You're the artist. Draw it however you like. <laughs> <laughs> as long as the ideas are better than the ones I come out come up with, that's fine by me. <laughs> so I've kind of used that as the, the backbone for my for my drawing ever since. If, if I think the writer's wrong in the way he's describing something and how that scene should be played... I'll just do it my way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that sounds like John, doesn't it? Leaving it to the artist, which he's well known for, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just kind of give the artist the script and get out of their way. That's that. That's but that should be the way, roughly, with any any creative person. It's. Um, I mean, I've, I've always have I always said. Well, certainly I've said for a heck of a long time. I'm not a comics artist. I'm just an artist who happens to work in comics. Right. I mean, obviously, kind of comics was a huge part of my life growing up and part of my interest and part of who I am kind of thing. But it's only part of who I am. You know, I'm creative in other sorts of ways, whether it's kind of paintings or poetry or whatever the heck it is. But I've never... I, I enjoy what comics offers. Uh, you can tell... Anything in comics. Yes. All you have to do is think. Use those precious brain cells, rub them together, and create this fire of creativity. And you will come up with something new. Um, uh, I mean, one of the things I 
notice maybe uh, about comics. It's kind of a lot of a lot of people who are really into comics who are kind of who work in comics sometimes be a bit limited because they're so fo- focused in comics. They kind of miss all all the action outside comics, <laughs> right? <laughs> all sure. the painting and the drama and the this and the that and kind of all the all the rich variety of life and creativity there is. Which is why I've always said I'm I'm, I'm not a comics artist. I, I I enjoy the medium, but I enjoy other mediums too. And if I ask you again about you know take you back to America for a moment, you know it's famous for that uh, very colourful cinematic painted artwork, but also. One of the things that stands out to me is the moments between America and Beanie, or sort of Bennett Beanie, which are very yeah. intimate, and where you chose... Are you using, I presume, different materials to those little close-up images and so on? Yes, I mean, that was... Um, I used uh, an airbrush quite a lot on America, and kind of rolls and rolls and rolls of fisk paper, kind of cutting things out, then spraying. Then it's kind of very. It's it's the sort of thing now where the sort of stuff that would have taken me two days to do would take me five minutes on Photoshop nowadays. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's kind of because everything everything had to be hand done. So. Yeah, well, as you're saying, the, the, the cinematic kind of thing. It was uh, that was about the time when I got my very first video play, uh, video cassette player, uh, and I would watch. I think I was watching um, Blade Runner a, a lot of the time because I, I didn't have many movies. <laughs> right. I had that, which I taped off telly, and I had a copy of Aliens, which I taped off, taped off somewhere. I can't remember where it was now. Uh, um, and a couple of other bits and pieces taped off television, and I just watched them constantly, kind of thing, uh, as I was driving America and listening to music and staring out the window and kind of all those kind of things you're creative in. So yeah, this this sense of cinema was probably quite strong because I was thinking a lot about movies and stuff at that point anyway. But as you say, there's these scenes where you get these little touching scenes. I think there's one so one page after America disappears for a while, and then one day, kind of after Benny's got famous, she suddenly appears at the door with a bunch of flowers. And then I think on the next page or the page after kind of thing, it's the morning after they've slept with each other kind of thing. And it's just a very kind of tender, quiet moment. And I that's a kind of a mixture of um, pencil, I think it was, I used for chunks of it. It looks to... like coloured pencils for some of the, the very quiet, intimate close-ups on America's face and so on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of... You know, I always think drawing is somewhere, somewhat more personal than painting is. Because, I don't know, it's... I'm not quite sure how to describe it. It's. I remember uh, um, hearing something about uh, Paul McCartney, about when he was um, about writing music, and he said he always preferred to write um, music on a guitar, especially kind of intimate, personal, emotional music on a guitar, as opposed to piano, because on a piano you're you're kind of pushing 
the instrument away. With a guitar, you're holding it close to you. So there's a slightly different kind of emotional resonance between you and what you're trying to create. Right. So uh, I always think kind of drawing is a much more satisfying thing to, to, to give you that that extra whatever it is kind of thing. So kind of dropping these little bits and pieces in amongst the more kind of lavishly kind of time time intensive painted things probably seemed like a good idea to do. Although I didn't really think it was I didn't think about it at the time. I mean I, this is the thing. I, I, I just did it. I just it just felt felt like doing things certain ways. And that's what I did. I didn't know why <laughs> I was doing these things. It's only later on, after after years of thought, you kind of go, actually, that all these little things link, link in, doesn't it? Yes, that kind of <laughs> it all kind of makes sense now. It's kind of you're kind of constantly make, trying to make sense of yourself uh, if you're an artist, I suppose. Fantastic. I, I mean, yeah, obviously, um, such a huge part in the history of Judge Dredd and the magazine, um, and of course, it was recently. We got the Lost and Found release um, with uh, some of John's scripts in there as well. Yes. Um, I yeah. hope they sent you a comp copy of that one, did they? Yeah, I think there's a, a copy, maybe two there, actually. Right, good. <laughs> there's, there's lots of books in various boxes at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> After that, college during the 90s, you worked on, you did, obviously, you co-created Mechanismo, um, you did Shimura, you worked on The Pit with John again. Still doing, you know, coloured and painted artwork at this stage, I guess. Yes, yeah, I mean, there was, no, I think after um, Iberica especially, I was just, I think it was just a bit burnt out because it was such a, such a labour-intensive thing. Yeah. Um, that for a few years I kind of I got very loose for a while. I mean, Mechanismo was yeah. There's a lot. There's the same kind of colours and aspects to the city, which was in America, is in there. But it's much looser. Much um, what's the word? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Brasher kind of style of of going about it and Shimura even in the uh, what was that a couple of years later was that 93 94 something like that right it's quite loose again the uh, the the line work and all that even though it does kind of give you a feeling of tightness almost it's it's it's, it's going back to that kind of control again but it's it's getting there very very slowly because I don't think it was really until well into the 2000s that I was actually kind of really starting to get happy with my work and the way I draw and portray things. And if I if I take you to 2000, um, I'll just mention one strip you did with Robbie Morrison called Vanguard, which is going to come mm. up on the book club in the future. Somebody's chosen it to come up. Um, All right. Uh, interestingly, the only edition I've got of that one is in German for some reason. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I, I, I've got a copy in German as well, and that's all. I mean, there was, I think, there was a small English language version done, but possibly as I a floppy know. with one of the magazines. I don't know. I, I can't remember. I, I do remember hearing about it after the fact. Right. <laughs> I'm being slightly annoyed, but I never got a copy of it. <laughs> oh, no, okay. 
House of Tharg, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's just it's one of those things. You can, there's, there's been so many editions of so many different things over the years that, in many ways, it, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day because I've, I've still got the original comics for much of it. And with the wonders of the internet, you can find almost anything about almost any, everything. Uh, especially in comics, kind of thing. So, but yeah, Vanguard was a uh, interesting because it was the I think it was probably the first thing I really tried to design, like from the spaceships to the uniforms, and try and create designs for a universe. Because, well, it's, well, that first volume wasn't meant to be the first volume. I think that, that it was actually volume two was meant to be the first volume for the because at the end. Oh, James, it's been a long time since I've looked at it. I think at the end, the, there's a mutiny, is it, I think? Uh, so that by the second story, when, it, come, when it, it would have come out, essentially they were they were space pirates. And it was going to be a space pirate story. Right. But it was decided we needed this initial story called Vanguard to, to have the setup. But it... Uh, Never, never, never quite got there somehow. Not quite sure quite what what it was that never, never got it going. But um, yeah, it was it was always the second book that was the one that was wanted to be done. But um, powers that be decided this one had to come out first, and it kind of kind of killed it before it had a chance to get going in a way. In a way, I suppose. Well, we, we will hopefully get to it on the book club. And I'm just looking at this lovely hardback from Germany, which has got a beautiful painted cover, um, sort of double-page wraparound cover of the spaceships oh, and the yeah. uniforms. It is, it's a wonderful yeah. piece of art, Colin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 I dread to think how many could have little tiny bits of lines and stuff I've drawn over the... Over the day, billions of little lines. <laughs> I'm sure. Much like every other artist in the world, it's we're nothing more than a collection of little tiny lines which build yeah. up into a picture. <laughs> well, if I get you to stick with designing uniforms and armour and spaceships and take you to 2009's Insurrection with Dan Abnett, yes. and I know... I've read the sort of pitch letter that Dan did, which is in the back of the first collected volume. Was it an idea that you and Dan came up between you then? It was, yes. I mean, it was... Um, gosh, I, we were both at a convention in Reading, or something right. like that, I think it was. Uh, and I was interested in doing a, a war story of some kind, and Matt wanted a war story and had approached Dad Abnett uh, to come up with an idea. And we both happened to be at the same, going to be at the same convention at the same time. So we just sat down just for, I don't know, half an hour or something like that, just to, and just kind of discuss some ideas and kind of, well, what, 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 what do we want to do? What if, I have no idea. <laughs> and but I think... I think I may have said quite early on because I've always been fascinated by the uh, by the story of uh, Thermopylae, right? You know the three hundred Spartans and all that kind of thing. And it's it's I suppose it's a thing I've I've kind of seen in my work time and time again. Kind of thing. It's 
I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe it's a, a fact of reading so many uh, war comics very early on in my life, kind of where you hear of all these uh, kind of amazing things where kind of a handful of soldiers hold off an entire battalion against impossible odds, kind of thing, kind of more next week, kind of thing. Yeah, and add to that the fact that my my father's generation was the generation who fought in the Second World War, and my grandfather's generation was the generation who fought in the First World War. So I knew that all the men of my father's age and above had all seen war, and these were the men who'd done all these amazing things. Uh, and that was one of the reasons why I why I loved the. Uh, the the real life tales you'd you would get occasionally in the war comics, and I think this was my reaction to it all was kind of, well, how would I kind of feel if it was if I was a soldier and I heard the kind of, it's last man last round fixed bayonets kind of think what do you do <laughs> how do you cope yeah. I mean kind of what's going to go through your head other than a piece of shrapnel kind of thing um, how do you it's it's that kind of well, you know you're going to lose. Why do you stand there? <laughs> it's, it's that ultimate question of kind of why do you why why do we fight kind of thing. So, uh, so there was this kind of last stand idea kind of in my head anyway, and I mentioned it to Dan and kind of piecing things together of this and that, and I did some sketches. And then we had more conversations, and then he sort of get a bit of a story kind of going, and then I kind of made some comments, and then he would uh, listen to those, and then maybe change things so it takes heed of what I was saying. And then I would do more sketches. I mean, as you can see from the uh, the published sketches, there was I did loads and loads of work, kind of yes. <laughs> coming up with ideas of stuff because that's, that's, that's all the sort of stuff I was interested in, kind of thing, creating worlds, and especially military worlds, because it was my way of exploring kind of my father's and my grandfather's generation kind of thing. Um, right. Uh, so that was, I suppose that was my kind of, that was the thing which I got from it. Right. Uh, and then everybody else just got the, got, the adventure, the excitement, the highs, the lows, the laughs, and the tears of it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's—I mean—it's a remarkable story insurrection of um, a group, a mining colony of judge marshals, droids, mutants, and uplifted apes who uh, declare independence. A very progressive, you know. Um, I think, as Dan says in the pitch document, the pair of you sort of really sort of going back against the sort of judges, you know, as he says, I think, hissing yeah, the ju- at the, the judges. The, the, the what, the judges? Hissing at the judges when they come on. Yes, 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 yes they're, they're, they're meant to be the bad guys. Yes. And, and who's the baddest of the bad guys? Well, it's the SJS, so let's just have loads of SJS in it. Because <laughs> they're the, the true believers in the, in the badness kind of thing. And just see what um, ordinary people can do against the forces of ultimate doom. Uh, it's, it's remarkable. I mean, it's great stuff. Now, we have to talk, I have to ask you about the artwork for this. Because, as I put in our notes, it's black and white, but that seems a woefully inadequate way of describing this. Um, how is this produced? What were you doing to produce this stunning artwork and these huge ships and armours and characters? 
it was just lining wash. <laughs> right. It's, it's, wib- it's wibbly wobbly, thin washes of black and white. Um, I would uh, pencil out a page uh, as per normal. I mean, I was, uh, by this point, I was using a, um, a Bristol board paper because that, that had the sufficient weight to it and the surface to it so that when I um, stretched it and taped it down to a, a, a drawing board, I could use washes of uh, water and ink to produce shades of grey without it warping warping the paper. And this was a thing I, which I had started using when I was working for uh, Games Workshop on the Warhammer comics. Right. Because uh, I'd done three series of... What's it called now? Blood Quest. Oh, right, yes. Uh, with Gordon Reddy. Uh, which, again, the very beginning of the story, it's a Thermophily situation again. It's the last stand. It's <laughs> right. Except they lose, and they lose badly, and there's only just a, just a handful of survivors, and then it's, it's what happens to them over the, over the rest of the story, kind of, is, is the rest of it. Uh, I would just kind of pencil out, kind of, as per normal, and then just, just as I said, just thin washes of... Uh, of black ink watered down so you get a, a grey line then slowly you could have build up and build up and build up and build up until you, you actually have forms taking shape uh, and then I would go into it with uh, just a pencil uh, a pen uh, a white pencil and a white pen just to bring out little tiny highlights because the thing about kind of doing washes is that you can it's not very easy to kind of get Really, really, really tight detail, kind of, especially when you're try, trying to work to a deadline as well. Yeah, so I so do these these pages this way, and kind of, because uh, I think it was maybe my uh, my reaction to, well, it's not a comic; it was a, a magazine for children, and in this, in the, well, I remember from the seventies anyway, a magazine called Look and Learn. Oh right, yes, of course. Uh, which of course had the Trigon Empire in it. Yes, for, uh, by Don Lawrence, and I had these. And again, but it, it was just washes of um, I don't I don't know whether it was ink or watercolor or whatever it was he used. But you could see kind of little lines, <laughs> and you can see that's what he was doing, kind of thing. Uh, and of course, he always had kind of wonderful illustrations by the people like um, his name, uh, Ron Embleton. Yeah, uh, who was a wonderful. Probably best artist I've ever seen in, in with, with everything to do in comics. Good thing, absolutely fantastic. Uh, and I suppose kind of this this black and white grayscale wash was was my version of those those memories, those reactions to seeing that kind of art, and it kind of helped me kind of be. Be definite with my art, be, be quite tight with my art, but also because it's washes, I could be quite loose at the same time and get a nice, a nice flavour kind of going between detail and expression and stuff like that. And it, I find it gives the armour and the characters, particularly on Liberty, this this mining colony, it gives them this sort of lived-in look. Their armour is battle-scarred, their ship's the same. Um, yeah. It's great for texture oh, yeah, and that, detail, isn't it? 
Oh, it's fantastic. I, I do, I do like that 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 kind of uh, blibby blobby kind of texture thing, which I get with it. It's, yeah, it's 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 a thing that's always. I suppose it's kind of always been there, kind of in a way. I mean, there was a. a, a, a uh, I found some paintings when I, from when I was at school, in fifth and sixth year, and you can definitely see some of these uh, these sort of patterns appearing there. Um, not as kind of skilled or as detailed as kind of by the time I got to Warhammer or Insurrection, uh, and even in a an earlier paint. In fact, the very first painting I ever, well, that that, that I still have actually. It was uh, be painted about seventy one, uh, and it was a picture of um, a lifeguard from the uh, Household Cavalry. Uh, oh yes, you posted this recently, didn't you? Short. Yes, yes, and uh, I, I actually do remember because there was this um, bit of paper. I think on the back is a, a it's um, it's a, a, a bit of an old uh, technical drawing by my father. <laughs> it's on the back of it, and this was pinned to the door of the garage, the wooden door of the garage, and. I was painting this picture, and I remember him taking my hand and kind of, it was kind of a splodgy kind of movement kind of thing that he used, kind of, just kind of put the paint on and then just kind of connect it up with other splodges and then you kind of drag it and then you can start to create this, this shape, this image kind of thing. Uh, well, obviously, it's I was only five, five, six, five, five at the time. Uh, so it was very... Uh, it's what you expect from a five-year-old kind of thing. Um, but there again, it's that. This is why, again, this is another reason why I say I'm an artist, not a, not, not a comics artist. Right. There, there's things from way beyond, you know, before comics, before, every, before I even thought about drawing comics uh, for myself, never mind for professionally kind of thing. There's all these little things which kind of keep popping up. Um, so, um, yes, yeah, plodginess and death. Yes, splodginess <laughs> and certain death. And that's the that's the two things which I which I keeps coming back in my head. <laughs> well, I'm fascinated that you tie it back to those great war comics of the '70s and those sort of last gasp um, defense of the base or whatever. But also to your early painted work, and that you can see a through line from the textures to this stuff, this remarkable artwork for Insurrection. Um, it's great stuff, and the second volume, Insurrection. And Liberty is also available as well and, and again I think we get yeah. uh, some sketches and covers and some of Dan Abnett's scripts in the back of that as well mm-hmm. Fantastic So Colin, if we move up to more recent stuff uh, you've done for mostly on Dread oh, did, uh, did, Do you want to do the last series? Because <laughs> there's three books there's three books. I've only got two. I mean, he seems to have missed Ooh. one. Because <laughs> the, uh, the 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 first series was the, well, obviously the first one kind of thing, Attack of the Mining Colony, and then the second one they go to this uh, manufacturing planet. Yes, and that's where uh, Luther is is horribly scarred in a fall uh, after being burnt by this. Uh, this robotic dog with a flaming head. It's got like a, a flamethrower for a head kind of thing. And then in the third book is the last book where we find out what happens. 
So you've got <laughs> you've got the Hachette hardback, I think. Of, I, I've got the Hachette uh, hardback, which has got the entire thing collected. Yes. Right. I think I've got it collected in two paperbacks. So Insurrection Two is in the first volume of that. Yeah, and then it. Uh, I think it finishes off with Insurrection Liberty. Is that right? Well, I, I think. Oh, cringe! I can't remember the names now. <laughs> Hold on a second. Let's see if there's got any names in the book. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, Insurrection was the first book. Insurrection 2. No, it doesn't have any subtitles for the books, actually. Right. Yeah. I do have the... Yeah, pay- the third series... The third series I started off, the, the first episode of the final series was like the first previous two series was that Lane and Wash... Yeah, and then all all the episodes after that were, I just did the black and whites, and somebody else did the um, the grayscale coloring, as it were, of it, and and that was the final book because well, everybody dies at the end. Yes. <laughs> well, as they do in all good war movies. Yeah, in, in the war movies. <laughs> And going back to Insurrection 2, I have that page with uh, Luther on the operating table in front of me after he's been horribly scarred. Oh, right, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, that was, uh, that was a good page there, actually. I, uh, well, actually, I'm quite proud of quite a few of the pages that I did did for this series. There was um, some nice little moments here and there, uh, which I'm quite pleased with. But yeah, that page there is it's, it's it's quite good. He's he's not looking well. No, he's he's not doing very well at that stage at all. And then, as you say, in the very last uh, insurrection story, your 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 style changes a bit with you just doing, as you say, black and white art, and then somebody else yeah. doing uh, grayscale over it. And I think. Chris Blythe colours your dreads now that you've been doing recently. Things like, um, yes. uh, what was it? Uh, Guatemala. Guatemala um, removal Man and... Oh, jinx, I can't remember all the names. End of Days <laughs> you worked on. End of Days, that was the, yes, that was the other one in the last year, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, and Machine Law you've also worked on again, coming back to those mechanisms. Machine Law, yes. I, th- I, th- I think he's, he's done... So you've done all the threads I've done. Well, there's it's been somebody else colouring, colouring me. I think. Because uh, well, did, did he did he work on um, uh, Vanguard? Uh, it doesn't. I'm not sure who did the colouring for you on Vanguard. I have half a feeling it was him actually. Right. Okay. The thing of mine, he coloured. I think. Oh, okay. We'll come back yeah. when we do Vanguard and we'll talk about the colouring as well. <laughs> you can find out. <laughs> am, I, am I right yeah. in thinking that you're one of the few droids who still sends in physical artwork to Tharg? Yes, yes. Um, I, I am quite old-fashioned. I, I still I still enjoy the joy of paper and pencil, as they say. It's... I, I, I do know a, lot of, a heck of a lot of, lot of people who... Uh, they might do some kind of quick sketches or whatever on paper, but then soon they're they're just on on the computer kind of thing. Uh, whereas I I still enjoy the, the the physical contact of making a picture. It's it's that um, it's that uh, um, um, 
Paul McCartney, Paul McCartney thing again. It's kind of a computer is kind of you're 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 almost kind of pushing it away. You've got the screen and you've got your mouse or whatever kind of thing, and it's 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 distant from you. But drawing on a drawing board, and the drawing board's kind of sat on your knees. You're kind of you're kind of hunched in, and you're kind of you're. Uh, you're, you're you're grasping the board, you're grasping the page, kind of, but almost like a guitar. Almost, it's a much more intimate, personal experience drawing on paper. Much in the same way that the way I enjoyed when I was uh, very young was uh, I would I enjoy drawing anything, kind of with crayons, with paint, with whatever. Uh, I was quite happy doing that. Um, uh, even before I, I started speaking, it was kind of it's a very it's a very primitive experience. It's uh, I mean, do, do you remember finger painting as a child? Oh yes, yes, of course, yeah. It's it's, it's very it's tactile. Yeah, it, uh, I'm still finger painting even today, right. except I use pencil to finger paint with. <laughs> it, it's it, I, I I don't necessarily have rules for drawing at all it's just kind of how does it feel when I'm drawing it this way does that feel right right <laughs> which is why sometimes my um, my artwork can be a bit um variable to say from time to time but then when I am on a on a roll and I'm just drawing the right thing at the right time uh, it just 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 comes out perfectly uh, I really really enjoy it well, I mean, your artwork continues to astonish us, Colin. So uh, thank you for everything you've done for the prog. <laughs> hopefully I'll be doing it for um, many, many decades to come. Um, and hopefully the the Royal Mail or the Courier won't lose any of your uh, wonderful art in the post. Well, yes, been been kind of touch wood. Uh, I've been sending stuff away for... Uh, What's that? That was just before Christmas, nineteen eighty-six. I sent away my very first pages, kind of commissioned page pages to two thousand AD. So that's that'll be thirty-five years this year, just before Christmas. That I've been sending stuff through the post and all that, and nothing has been lost. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> but at least I remember to take photographs and stuff of my work before it goes away. So even worst case scenario. <laughs> there is always a backup, thank goodness. There's always a backup. It may not be as good as having the original artwork, but there's always a backup. Um but I do I do like I do like the fact that I'm one of the very few people who still provide bits of paper um to Tharg. It's uh uh, in many ways, I, I I know it might be a bit of a pain in arse for for them to kind of have to deal with bits of paper and get it scanned and this and then they've got to go and put this in the post and send it back to me and all that. But I don't care. I, I, I quite I quite I'm quite kind of chuffed that I'm kind of still still uh, still holding the line, as it were. Making yes. my last stand for bits of paper <laughs> in a digital world. <laughs> Fantastic. And obviously you continue to work on Dread with John Wagner or with Rob Williams. Um, 
you said you're doing your own you do your paintings you're creative you're doing poetry and bits and pieces you also because rob foster put us in touch because you've done a commission for him um yes a strontium dog commission and uh uh, it's interesting because you mentioned now I look at that piece of artwork and I think it's very it's again those 70s war comics that you managed to bring into that piece yeah, of work yes, yes. I mean, that, that, that was um, it was one of the reasons why I uh, uh, I both wanted and enjoyed doing it is because it was obviously I remember the uh, uh, the shickle group shickle group or grab the yes. from which that incident came from uh, I remember reading that before I got to this idea. Yeah, that must have been what, about very early 80s. I think that story was it, I think. But yeah, it was a little way for me to do my little homage to that to that story, but also my, my little homage to kind of war comics of the past and all those little kind of bits of details and stuff like that. Uh, I, I do enjoy kind of yeah, it's the details of things. It's it's like the um, um, the 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 sketches for insurrection because uh, obviously there are some uh, unseen insurrection sketches, um, which will be out with uh, out with this pod- podcast. Yes, you were good uh, enough to share them. Where, with me. <laughs> where I kind of um, I uh, I mean, there was one one there where I uh, it's uh, it was my design for the um, SGS command carrier Nagflower. I called it. I don't know what it was called in the in the in the, uh, the, the actual comic itself, if indeed it ever had a name. Uh, and I designed a couple of uh, a fighter and a bomber, and then I started thinking, well, what would be in the fleet? Well, you're going to need if you're going to be taking a planet, then you'll you'll need uh, kind of armor and infantry and artillery and logistics and all these sorts of things and get kind of well of course you'll need uh, fighter groups to protect the carriers and stuff like that and I kind of came up with all sorts of um, imaginary units and then I started thinking oh insignia badges <laughs> and I worked out a good idea for a kind of now what would, what would their insignia badge system would, would, would look like and Oh, this is utterly irrelevant to the to to, to what's really happening in the, in the comic. But I like putting those little tiny details in, so that if anyone does get it, then fantastic. But if they don't, it doesn't so it doesn't matter so matter because I I enjoy doing it anyway. And do you still take uh, commission requests from fans? Uh, yes, I mean there is a there is a kind of nominal list. Um, which I occasionally find and <laughs> right. use again. I'd start another new list, then eventually combine lists and kind of stuff like that. Um, uh, and but it generally tends to be the the ones which actually get done <laughs> um, are the ones which I generally would want to draw for myself right okay so if you, so if you can come up with an idea which ah Colin would enjoy drawing this you're much like much more likely to get actually actually get it done right <laughs> because there have been people who have been waiting for years for me to do a commission for them um, which is why I never take any money, money up front uh, because I know it could be it could be there's I think the 
uh, what was it, 2010, it's the oldest request I've got. Right. So, but one, chap, one chap has been waiting been waiting 11 years. Uh, there's a good chance he'll get it with, within the next year because I'll find my paints again because I, I was going to do it in, in oil. Oh, uh, right. But, but, but one of the reasons it was, uh, it was taking so long was because I was kind of involved in selling the house and stuff like that so everything had to be packed away for a while and finally I've got my own place again I'm starting unpacking I just found my my oil paints just the other week so um, uh, he's he's now really close right (laughs) he's no more than 12 months away from (laughs) getting getting his dream picture (laughs) and I know you had to hunt through the boxes to find your hard copy of Insurrection didn't you I did. I, I I think I went through about um, uh, eight large boxes to, to 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 find my copy actually. Right. <laughs> but I, I find it, and it's, it's it's good exercise as well. Kind of lifting boxes, kind of putting them up above your head, and hoping they don't fall on you as you're looking for comics. <laughs> I'm sure that's a a common concern amongst uh, many uh, many comics folks after uh, a number of decades of collecting, kind of. Will I be found dead underneath a great big pile of comics one day? Yes. <laughs> what a way to go. <laughs> what a way to go. But if it's good comics, it's not a bad way to go. And if only, was, only, only if you got killed by bad comics would you be in that. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, none of the ones you've worked on, <laughs> yours, yours would be the right way to go. Um, you know, you mentioned it earlier on. You've got the Facebook page now, Colin McNeil Art, and yes. that's the place to go to see some of these images that you're sharing, some of your earliest pieces of work and also... Yes, and a lot, a lot of just... Little bits of oddities, like the uh, the painting of uh, the lifeguard from 1971, my very first uh, drawing of Mega City One from 77, and uh, early sketches of uh, some of the characters and stuff I've, I've drawn over the years. It's uh, um, there's no real um, plan with it per se. It's just as and when I find interesting things in my cupboard, art cupboard. I'll go. Ooh, I wonder if anybody wants to have a look at this. This is this is an interesting wee, wee sketch or wee detail or uh, uh, even a wee poem. I've, uh, I've uh, put up a couple of poems now in the last uh, in the last week or two. So uh, yeah, it's a good place just just to see see also see something old that you've never seen before. Um, there was uh, one chap made a comment on the. Uh, the post about the uh, my very first Mega City One drawing uh, from '77, and he thought you'd never could have seen anything earlier relating to this idea other than um, that drawing I had published in Prog One Two One in 1979 of the Mega City One prison guard. Yes, called Judge Peel after John Peel. Oh. The radio DJ, because uh, it was about that. Because my brother was five years older than me, and he he listened to uh, John Peel religiously at the time, so um, he had to have the radio on at that time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was my little homage to that prison. 
<laughs> well, you'll find a link in the show notes for this episode to Colin's Facebook page where you'll see all these wonderful images that Colin is sharing at the moment. Um, and yeah, as you say, bits of unpublished work, sketches, and your earliest <laughs> existing or surviving artworks, which is fantastic. Yes, yes. And also in time, kind of as we get closer to uh, the release of... Uh, because obviously there's a few things I've done last wee while which uh, I haven't posted up because it's not come out in the comic yet. Right. Uh, I'm a great believer in not letting slip too much about what's coming up because otherwise it wouldn't be a surprise. Spoilers, yeah. <laughs> it would spoil the comic because that was that was part of the thing about getting, uh, especially 2000 AD, because quite often it was continuing, long, continuing stories. Uh, and anything could happen in any episode. For me, that's one of the uh, the great things about Dread is because of the nature of Mega... Well, especially the nature of Mega City 1 then uh, was it was so big, anything could happen. Literally anything you could think anything. of <laughs> could, could happen in Mega City 1 in Judge Dread. So every week when you opened it up, it was... <gasps> What's going to happen today? Let's find out. And you open it up, and it's here is a another an, another another stretch to the realm of the unimagin- unimaginable. <laughs> and so there are more surprises to come from. Uh, oh, from, oh yes, yeah. oh yes. There's a few 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 more bits and pieces of this and that, and um, uh, so yeah, there there's some uh, what's there. Two, oh, there's there's a Judge Dredd story come up in uh, November, I think it is, in the magazine, uh, and then something for the uh, 2008 Regen, you know, the uh, the younger. Oh right, yes, yeah. Uh, where I've uh, been working with uh, uh, David Bailey on something. Oh right. Uh, something for that. So we've that that's now now finished. So as we get closer to that time. <laughs> there will be new bits and pieces coming out. Bits that you can share then <laughs> when pieces, it's out in the comic. New, new pieces, new pieces about new pieces. Great. I was supposed to new pieces about old pieces. <laughs> Fantastic. So um, also check the show notes. You'll find a link to the 2080 shop where you can buy the two paperback uh, um, volumes of Insurrection, uh, or you can get them digitally. Uh, or if you're lucky, you might be able to track down that Hachette hardback. Um, similar to the one that you've got, Colin. Yeah, because I think there was a f- the third volume was released by itself as well. Actually, right. It had, uh, uh, what's his name? The uh, uh, I shall just consult the big book of insurrection because uh, <laughs> I because uh, I'd done covers for the first two series of insurrection, but I, I didn't have time to do any for the last one. So they got uh, Neil Roberts. Neil Roberts, that's the chap. Yeah. Frog three three four. There we go. Uh, he did the cover for that, and they used. I think they used that as the cover for the third volume. I think. Um, I suppose it has that. That was a while ago. Now that was um, twenty fifteen. I think. Yeah, so that's, that's six years, and it's yeah. it'll soon be twenty, as they say. <laughs> Fantastic. Colin, you've been very generous with your time. I'm going to ask you one more question. That We play this grail page game on the podcast where we imagine that all uh, the comic book art is available, still exists, and we could afford it. Is there a piece from the history of... Two- yes, I know. 
Is there a piece from the history of 2000 AD or maybe from your other comics that you would like to own yourself if, it, if such a thing was possible? Yes, I think there is, actually. Um, I don't remember which prog it was from. It must have been from that first year, probably that first summer of 2000 AD, uh, 77, it was Dan Dare, and it was a double-page spread on the inside, colorized, and I think it's a shot of a spaceship crashing oh. on some alien planet somewhere, um, Ballardinelli, Massimo Ballardinelli. Oh, yes. Uh, if there's one bit of artwork that it has to be that because that image in particular has uh, a huge personal um, meaning to me because uh, um, as I think I may have said earlier on my my, my father was a secondary school teacher at the school which I went to but when I was uh, 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 still in primary school I used to go with my father to the school, uh, the, the Inverness High School is where I went to, and because he would use the um, uh, the school's workshop to kind of build things for our house and weld new gates there and stuff like that, or he'd go up before uh, school would reopen after the summer holidays and get things prepared for for the new term. And uh, I remember one time I uh, I went with him and. Uh, uh, I was given a pile of uh, coloured chalks to keep myself uh, amused while he was busy sorting out tools and stuff. And because it was, it was because he, he had coloured chalks at school for the, for the for the drawing board. It was the old uh, chalkboards, and it was one of those ones where uh, it was on um, uh, a loop. So he just kind of pulled down, and you kind of scroll down, and it just kind of loops back on itself. And uh, I had spent the morning recreating this Ballardinelli Dandere spaceship crashing on one of the big panels on this blackboard in coloured chalk. And uh, uh, it was only decades afterwards, of course, uh, I heard that uh, when term time started, he didn't rub it off the, the blackboard. Oh right! Uh, so he'd use the other the other panels on the, on the blackboard to, to write notes and stuff for uh, for teaching. And I think he managed to keep it there for about two months before, for one time when he was teaching a lesson, he he just had to to rub it out in order to use that space to teach the teach the lesson so that was uh, so he was obviously very uh very proud very, of it proud of very you. proud of me and proud of what i could do and all that and uh so yeah i think that that page out of any other page out of any other artwork i think of any comic i can think of um would be the page that would be my uh my, my grill page Fantastic. Well, we will grant you that virtually, Colin, particularly as it comes with such a great uh, and personal story about your father as well. Um, 
you know, th- thanks to you, thanks to your father, thanks to your art teacher. Um, well, yes, it's made it. It's no one person draws a drawing, right? <laughs> it's all the people who influenced you ever in your life. They're also helping you draw. It's, uh, it's we, we we don't. None of us ever really truly stand alone. We are yeah. we are the sum of our ancestors, our experiences, our. Yeah, we 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 know we're out, we're out, you're you're never alone when you draw. Uh, fantastic, Colin. Thank you so much for all your work for 2000 AD over the years. Um, uh, as you say, you're an artist who happens to work in comics, and we're very lucky that the comic you work for is 2000 AD. I hope. Well, as long as there's 2000 AD, I'll be there. Fantastic. <laughs> I can guarantee that. <laughs> and thank you for your time this afternoon. It's been uh, it's been absolutely fantastic. You're very welcome. And, of course, thank you to Rob Foster for putting us in touch and setting up this interview. And thank you to everyone for listening to Mega City Book Club. Find all the links that we've been talking about, including links to Colin's books to buy and his Facebook page on megacitybookclub.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and the 2080 forums, or email me mcbcpodcast at gmail.com if you want to get in touch with any comments or suggestions or a book that you'd like to cover on the podcast. So until next time, when we're passing judgment on another great book, it's goodbye from me and from Colin. Good night. <laughs>